This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello and welcome to Man Enough. I am Justin Baldoni. <laughs> what are you laughing no, at? Go ahead, just don't screw it up this time. This is our second time doing the beginning because you keep screwing it up. So I didn't keep screwing it up. I just, so who are you? I'm Justin Baldoni. And who am I? You're Jamie. You're Jamie Heath. <laughs> just try to wow, get Wow, you're that. feeling really frisky. It's because I'm feeling frisky because we got Eugenio on the show today. We got you on the show today. And I got to sit next to both of you. And you look good. And he looks good. And I know I look good too, but y'all are pretty. So we And nobody are... ever tells me I'm pretty. Everyone, you know, they, they tell my wife she's pretty. They tell my daughter and my son they pretty. Now I'm sitting next to you. You couldn't get more pretty than you. And now we got this dude coming up, 59 years old, looking like he's 35 and he's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a little angst. <laughs> I'm just... Hey, what's this podcast about, Jamie Heath? Well, I'll tell you what it's about. It's about undefining what it means to be a man because we have been culturally programmed to believe most in most circumstances that it's something that it really isn't mm. and you have taken this journey um through all your screw-ups because you are a big screw-up in a mm -hmm. lot of things takes one and no one indeed oh i'm bigger and um <clears throat> and you wrote a personal book really about your own journey through learning what it means to be a man undefining things redefining things getting new ideas of things and um and this book's is i believe will be helpful for many and that's why we're here we we wanted to come together with the amazing Liz Plank, who's going to be in our next segment. Hello, Liz Plank. To just this doesn't work have Liz. conversations. It absolutely doesn't. To have conversations that we as men have not uh, really seen modeled. All that to say, A. Eugenio is on the show today, yeah. and he's amazing, and he's one of the most famous men uh, in is. in Latin America and Mexico. And uh, I feel really, I feel really grateful that he agreed to come on the show and talk and get really real with us. So, uh, please stick around. We will be right back with uh, Eugenio, Eugenio Derbez, Liz Plank, and Jamie Heath. And again, as always, if you like, uh, if you like our show, please, uh, please not like subscribe. and follow not, us. Not subscribe. Follow. We don't want your money. We please don't. like and follow, follow us wherever follow, you get your follow. podcast. And we will be right back with Eugenio. Their best. This is Man, Man Enough. Enough. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. I am here with the amazing Liz Plank, the <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wow, the guy who forgot to put his headphones on when we were, <laughs> my best friend Jamie Heath, and uh, and a dear friend of mine, we've just met in person for the first time. We've been communicating via Zoom and FaceTime and WhatsApp and all the things. Eugenio Derbez, yes. everybody. Yes, sir. Hello. Oh, man. It's How so good. You? It's so funny. It's like we have this pandemic friendship. Yes, yes. And like meeting in person is so sweet. We're all tested and it's safe and you're so yeah. handsome. Oh, thank you. No, He's come never on. once said that to me. You, never. Never. All my friends, especially women that I know that they knew that I, were, I was coming with you, they were crazy about you. <laughs> That's very so, uh, kind. So I, I need to take a picture with you so I can That's like, so funny. This is, wait, wait, wait. This wait. is arguably one of the most famous men in the world. Yeah. And so that, I'm very honored. <laughs> what, 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 what? I'm just curious how you think I feel right here. Because you have this beautiful man. Mm -hmm. We have this beautiful man. We have this beautiful woman. And I'm over here. <laughs> You're 59. You look wait. You look ten years younger than I do. <laughs> I'm 51. So all this stuff, you can you can give me some of the compliments. Like you want to take a picture with me too. <laughs> I want to take a picture with you. You're beautiful in your inside. There you go. Mm. Two. That's, no, no, I two. That's no, 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 no. we love that. Okay, okay. The outside. I said two. I want the outside too. Two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were handsome. I don't care about the inside today. I want the outside. <laughs> I love this. Men giving each other sincere compliments. I think it can change the world. Oh, um, it's absolutely. very on point. We should read. We should, we, we should tell, tell everybody, we should the, tell everybody about him. For the few people him. who don't know Eugenio. Yes. Okay. Yes. Eugenio, you are a global star. You were born in Mexico City. You're a comedian. You're an actor. You're a filmmaker. Um, and you're 
2014 feature film Instructions Not Included ah, so became the most successful Spanish language film in the US and it made $100 million worldwide. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah. And prior to uh, making here in the US, you were considered by many to be the funniest man in Mexico. <laughs> Still is. I know. And you've starred in so many television shows and films. Um, you also played the character of Donkey in the Spanish language <laughs> version of Shrek. Yes. And wrote your own jokes. Yes. Which is incredible. Um, so when you're not uh, busy starring films and 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 making writing your own jokes, um, <laughs> you also started a production company called Three Pass, which actually means in Spanish... Uh, guts. Guts. Yeah. Having guts. Mm. Love it. Um, and yes, uh, one of the really huge goals of your production company and your career, really, is to change the portrayal of Mexicans in TV and film, which is uh, so, so, so crucial. Mm. You're also vegetarian like me. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's really nothing not to love about this man, no, right? Thank you, to thank you. Welcome to Man Enough. <laughs> Welcome to Man Enough. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me. Tell us about a time in your life where you didn't feel man enough. Always. I, 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 I feel that, um, especially in my culture where you need to be a macho all the time. Mm. You know, Mexicans are... And, and, and not Latin America. We have to be... Always machos, uh, you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to be vulnerable. Mm. And uh, it's, it's, it's never enough, mm. never. You, be, you need to provide for your family. You need to be good. You need to be, I, I was probably when I was young, they taught me that I need to be uh, a, a good provider. I remember uh, Aislinn's mom, she was always pushing me like, you, you, I, I was like studying it. You should go and work and bring money to the house. So that was even coming from, and then in Mexico, it was even. It's even coming from the women. For yes. You. Yeah. Yes. She was putting a so lot. Everybody's of been socialized. Yeah. Mm. Everyone. So you need to provide if you're not man enough. You need to. to you, you, you're not allowed to cry or to feel or to be vulnerable because you're not man enough. And then let me tell you a really quick uh, the story. I. I became a dad. Sorry about my English is not my first language, it's so, so I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. But um, I became a dad when I was uh, 23, and, uh, and and I didn't want to be a dad. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, I was I, I freaked out when I heard that I uh, that my girlfriend was pregnant, and um, I thought that my, my life was over. My dreams were finished because I was like, I'm gonna I'm not going to be able to finish studying. I was still at school. And, um, and I, I, I thought, this is it. I mean, mm. all my dreams, everything's done. And then it happened. I became a dad. And uh, it was the most amazing thing mm. ever in my life. And she's been my, my teacher, my guide, my everything. And she's your firstborn. Nice. My firstborn. And, and actually, the movie that I did, Instruction Not Included, the one we were talking about, you were talking about, it's slightly based in my relationship with her. And actually there's a sentence on the poster, that the tagline I think it's yeah. called, mm -hmm. where that it says, uh, eres lo mejor que no quería que me pasara. It means uh, you are the best thing that I didn't want to happen. Mm. Because uh, she, she became that. She, she's the, the best thing that has happened to me ever. Mm. Um, but back then, I was afraid of commitment. I was afraid of what was coming, and uh, and I thought I, it was going to be the end. But no, it was the beginning of tons of beautiful mm. things. And I learned a lot of things uh, through being a, a dad. I thought that being su successful was being rich, famous, and, 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 and then I years later, I... I learn that it's not. Mm. It's not what uh, makes you really happy. So uh, it's been a, a trip, and especially in countries like Mexico where you need to be a macho man to be. So are there moments in your life right now where you wake up or you're just throughout the day where you don't feel man enough? Do you have moments every day? Yeah, I think um, all of us because there's a lot of pressure. Mm. And no, for example, I, I made a mistake probably because I was 
uh, I always thought that to be successful, you have to be the best. Mm. And no matter what you're doing, you have to be the best. And I, I was always putting a lot of pressure on my kids. That I, I was always like teaching them, you have to be the best at your class. You have to be the best at your school. You have to be the best at whatever you do. And, uh, and my daughter, Aislinn, she rejected that. She grew up hating uh, mm. being successful, being famous. And she told me that a few years ago. She was like, you put so much pressure on me that I, I didn't like it. Uh, and now she, she wants to, maybe, she's just very spiritual. Yeah, she is. And that's why she hates the show business in a certain way because she felt that it was, she has to be famous and she has to be the best. She has to be, uh, no, to make no mistakes in order to be good. So I, I put a lot of pressure on that. And I was put a lot of pressure on me when I was uh, young too. So mm. I never felt uh, that I was enough for anything, you know, mm. back then. Now, well, I'll, I'll tell you later. <laughs> well, tell us now, <laughs> what, what, what now? Yeah. Because you're, you know, especially with your production company, I, I, I think you're really revolutionizing the way that we represent um, you, you know, me Mexican people, but also just Latinx people in general. And, and I'm curious, you know, the pressure and the stereotypes. Uh, you talk about, you know, the show Narcos, for example, and how, you know, we often portray, and I'm actually friends with uh, Arturo Castro, and he talk, he's from Guatemala and talks about having a law degree and showing up at auditions with, you know, other Latino men who have law degrees and they're dressed up as, you know, they're, Gangsters, right? They're like, uh, oh, you're here for the drug dealer audition too, right? Um, so, so, so how do we, you know, what's that box, and and how how is it different for Latino men when they when they come here? You know, that sort of pressure to be that male archetype, and and what are you doing to change that? Well, I grew up watching Hollywood movies, so I always wanted to come here um, to Hollywood. Um, so, but 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 I discovered that every every time that I came here and I was like auditioning. They, was, they were always offering uh, the same roles, you know, the, the, the gardener, um, the cook, uh, or the, the, the drug lord, um, same kind of roles. Um, so I was like, why they never offer me like a, I don't know, like to, to portray, a, to play an architect or an accountant mm -hmm. or uh, I don't know, whatever, mm. something different. Literally anything else. Anything yeah. else, whatever. <laughs> But it, yeah. it was always the same roles, so a mm -hmm. criminal or uh, the gardener or the janitor. Yeah. So, um, and it, it's, it happened always until I, after instruction not included, uh, that I opened my own production company, I s started working on, on writing my own roles because I said, nobody's going to do this for me. So I started developing, developing my own um, scripts and I... It's not, a, I don't, I'm not going to play ever a, 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 play, a role like that, but um, I try to portray different roles. That's why Instruction Not Included was so successful. People were telling me, this is one of the first times we see a man, that it's a father, mm. that it's a nice guy. He's not good at speaking English, but he's successful and he's a no normal human being. He's not a criminal. He, he's, he's not a loser. He, he, he's, he's... Human. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I try to do this every time I, I do a movie uh, produced by my company. You are listening to the Man Enough podcast. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Man Enough podcast. So I have a couple things. First thing is when you spoke about your daughter. I've been married three times. Okay. I have children with all three women. I'm married now. And by the grace of God, I've been able to, like, you know, find my way. Um, I've had to learn a lot, though. And since we're on the subject of man enough and what it means to be a man, um, for me, uh, I'm curious and interested in how you have found your balance, because I know you've been married several times. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have children with different people? Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah, four kids with four different women. Right. So you know <laughs> <laughs> so my, what I'm curious is that we want the next generation, our generation, but we want our babies to be better than us. Yes. And one of the only ways we can do that is when we take personal inventory, we look at ourselves, 
so that we don't have them repeat our mistakes. Exactly. What are you comfortable sharing what you have learned and adjustments you've had to make as a man that might be helpful to someone else? There's a lot of stuff. Uh, let me tell you. First, I'm, I'm always telling my, my kids, it's a joke, but I'm always telling them, don't make the same mistakes. Because, and what about you, Dad? I made all these mistakes just to show you <laughs> what you shouldn't do. So, <laughs> only for that reason. I sacrificed myself. I ruined my life for you just to be an example for what not to do in life. <laughs> but when my kids were little, I tried to... I was just thinking about being successful, about, about being a provider, uh, about having a, a, a place because I had no money back then. I, I, I don't even have a car. Um, and I was always saying, I, I need to buy a car. I need to buy an apartment. I need to buy something for my kids. And in order to, to provide that, I, I was working all the time uh, and I never gave them time. And I think that's the most important thing you can give to a kid. Mm. Time, quality time. And I, that's one of the things that I regret. I grew up trying to be a dad, but I was only a, a weekend dad. Mm. How do you say that? Well, yeah, weekend dad. Yep. Weekend dad. Now that I understand how important it is to give them time and be present, now uh, that with my fourth a uh, baby girl that now she's six, I really try to change everything because I know that kids, they don't, they don't really care about if you have a, a, a nice car or a big house. They just care if you're there and you play with them and mm -hmm. you talk to them and you have a day-by-day day day relationship. And that's, for me, that's the biggest lesson I've learned quality time and being there is the most important thing you can give to your family and especially to your kids. So, so that's wonderful. Let me ask you something further, a little deeper. What about the women in your life? So as a man, as a husband, your relationship with your wife at the time, the lessons that you have learned, because what you say about the children is 100%. But one of the things that's perpetuating sexism, that's also perpetuating men to like be macho, and to be a player and to be all of these things is um, oftentimes when we're not accountable for how, someone asked me last night, real quick, I'll go off script. Someone asked me last night, why didn't my first two marriages work? And I thought about it rather than my first response, which was always something else. It was, I just, I wasn't man enough. I wasn't man enough to do the work. I wasn't man enough to be emotional. I wasn't man enough to be like, uh, to take criticism. I wasn't mm -hmm. man enough to, to ask um, for help to show my vulnerable side. I wasn't man enough to be loyal. I wasn't man enough. Did I just say that on camera? Mm -hmm. I wasn't man enough as I was raising my son to be a good man and to honor women. I wasn't man enough to honor his mom. Mm. Um, so it's, my intention is to be better, but that's not good enough as I'm reminded all the time. Um, so I'm curious because your, your people love you and you have done so many wonderful things. Um, not just for humanity, for humanity, but for the Mexican culture, for Latinos, like what you represent, what you want to do amidst this whole stereotype that's bullshit. You represent the good of humanity, but only, um, when we are authentic with our mistakes as well, so that the men can change. So I'm curious, I went on a rant, I'm sorry. I'm curious what you feel you have learned or what message other men can be as a man with women, mm. how they can be different, what they have to unlearn. Well, first of all, let me tell you that uh, you, you're, you're very brave, very brave. Thanks for telling us all, all that. You, mm. I can see how emotional you got and uh, I hear you. I, I felt exactly the same thing you, you said. I, I, I feel connected to what you just said. And uh, also the, the other thing that I learned is that uh, I was afraid. I wasn't man enough because uh, every time I felt that uh, 
the, the relationship was not working, instead of working and staying there and being man enough, I just ran away. I didn't work on trying to be a better man. I was just like, probably because I, that's what I learned, well, probably what society teaches you. Uh, but I, I just ran away and, and you look for another woman and then you go, I was always a very responsible dad, but I feel that I was an irresponsible husband or uh, boyfriend. I didn't get married all these times, but, uh, uh, but he, I was afraid of commitment. And um, probably that came from this place where you need to be like a, yeah, like a macho man. And this is not the right thing to do. And I learned really late that I shouldn't be like that. But th that's the way you, they teach you in, 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 in all these Latin American countries. You need to be, the more women you have, the more men you are. And um, you're not allowed to be vulnerable or cry or, uh, or say, I, I, I made a mistake. Uh, you're, not, you're not allowed to do any of those things. So I think I was not man enough to, to, to face the, the, the relationship and to, to, to fix my mistakes. I just ran away and looked for another woman. Thank you for sharing that. There's something that happens as a man for me when I see two men just be super open and vulnerable with each other that just really like touches me. So many of us, so many men, so many of our listeners potentially have never even witnessed a conversation like that, a moment like that. Um, let alone somebody that they probably idolize like you humanizing yourself and saying, I wasn't man enough to respect my exes, to, to stick around, to, and, and I just want to say I appreciate you being willing to and you, be, and you starting the conversation. I'm curious. I want to, I want to bring it back to Liz. Um, well, let me ask something before we do because I don't want her to have to ask this question. What are we doing? <laughs> I knew that was coming. What are we doing now? What do you do different now? What are the things that we have to do? Practical things. It's wonderful that you acknowledge that, but that's not enough. That doesn't change anything, right? Acknowledging it. Um, but what are we doing practically that looks different? Or what oh. are you doing in your marriage now? That's a good question. Well, I, I think I'm a very different... Uh, I, I was well known, first of all, because I was afraid of commitment. So I never got married uh, before my actual wife. Mm. I just had this relationship, but I never got married. Uh, in Mexico, they, I was well known as the... Um, uh, the bachelor, the eternal bachelor. Yeah, you were, you were the Clooney of... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They were getting married. Yeah, yeah. and um, actually when I announced that I was getting married, it was like a huge, like, a, is he getting married? <laughs> because I was just jumping from one relationship, relationship to another one. And it was always the same time. It was six years. Six years, jumping. Six years, I, I was jumping. Mm. And I, I've been here in this relationship for already 15 years. 15 years, I, incredible. So uh, I'm really changing and, and, and breaking all these patterns. And I'm working on my relationship every single day. I'm, I'm always, always facing uh, a commitment because commitment was an issue for me. And commitment, not just as a husband, but also as a dad. And every single, uh, and, and being loyal, as you said, I was not loyal back then. And this is very, for me, it's been life changing. And I feel, I can feel how, I can feel different. It's, it's so weird how you feel more powerful. It's crazy. I remember many years uh, when I was young and I was always like hiding from, you know, the, the cell phone and cheating and, and, mm. and uh, I thought that 
in certain ways that was normal and I was like a man because I, you know, yeah. I'm handling, cheating, doing, having women. And all of a sudden, I just discovered that I feel so powerful now that I'm loyal, now that I don't have anything to hide. I feel more powerful, I feel more man mm. than back then. So for me, that's been life-changing. And, and doing all these small things, doing it, not just recognizing, doing all these things, I think uh, made me a, a better man and a better husband and a better dad. And a better dad. Mm. Thank you for that. And, and mm. how are you, because I know you were very close to your daughter, um, and, and, but you also are, are, are raising boys. Uh, mm. How are you making sure that your boys aren't, like women aren't collateral damage in their journey of, you know, becoming a, a, a man? How are you shaping them to hopefully have to avoid the mistakes that you uh, made as a man? Well, honestly, I, I said this as a joke, but I, I'm always telling them, uh, I'm always guiding them and telling them, don't do what I did. I think that my life is the best example of what you shouldn't do. And at the same time, what you should do, because I think I'm in a different place right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm always talking to them and, and showing them how I changed the, the, the before and after. So in my case, I think that the change that I did from when I was young, the, the man that I was 15, 20 years ago, uh, compared to the man that I'm right now, I've, I, th I think they see that, and I think that's the way that, that's the best example for them. Mm. I was thinking about, you know, I get a lot of messages, you know, because Jane the Virgin was very successful in Latin American countries and Mexico, and I get a lot of messages, especially from women, saying, "Okay, how do we reach? How do we reach these men in my country? Because it is so pervasive. It is, it is." you know, it's, it's almost dialed up a notch, even from here in America, where it's like the, the sexism and the way that, the way that these women are treated and um, so many things. I'm just wondering, you know, how, how do we reach these young men? How do we reach these young men who, who idolize you and follow you and um, especially in Mexico and some of these Latin American places? How do we, how do we reach them and let them know kind of what you're letting your children know? Well, I, I think that television and movies uh, are the best way to educate because you are always like, every time you, you see a movie or you see a show and you see that being vulnerable or being uh, changing the stereotypes yeah. through movies or series, it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, because socially, we've learned, uh, and, and I remember the movies in Mexico uh, 50 years ago with all these guys with the big mustache, mustaches <laughs> and then the guns and the horses and you know, that, that was the image of a man. Yeah. And now um, I feel that there's more masculine, mas masculinity? Mm -hmm. Perfect. <laughs> masculinity <laughs> in a guy who is who has a perfect balance between his uh, feminine side and his mm. manhood, I think that's, that's more of a man than a guy who's, uh, uh, who has this image of a macho, macho man. So I think we need to tell these young people, they need to start finding the balance between having a little bit of a feminine side. And it, it's okay to be like that. It's okay mm. to feel... Um, vulnerable, it's okay to cry, it's okay to, to, to look good because sometimes you're not allowed to look good as a man, you know? Every, every time I'm wearing makeup in Mexico, for example, and I go, I'm shooting something and then I go to a dinner, mm. the first thing I do, it's a, uh, sorry, I'm wearing makeup, but I'm shooting. Apologizing. It's because I'm apologizing because I look good. <laughs> And a man 
shouldn't look good. You, you need Which to- is how you know men made up these rules because women, <laughs> like God forbid you guys would you know wear jeans that look good on you and 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 you know have a good skincare routine. Like yeah, women hate that. No, I'm I'm kidding. But, I, I just no, think but, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Just, but if you you should be allowed to use a, like a lotion, uh, you know? Yes, <laughs> please do. Something exactly. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I do that. The other day, my, my wife was telling someone, yeah, he was uh, putting some cream in his face. I was like, no, 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 I was not. <laughs> I was like, what am, what am I lying? If but, it has right? SPF but, in it, then it's allowed. But what you just said right there, <laughs> that's the like, that's the, this invisible force of masculinity that yeah. we're talking about. Like, for you to be like, no, I'm not. And be like, why am I lying? Of course I was. Yeah. That's masculinity. That's this invisible hold that it has on all of us. I remember as you were bringing that up, I've never even thought about this. I remember I didn't wear sunblock. Right. <laughs> like what the fuck is wrong with me? I didn't wear sunblock because it wasn't manly. I was like, nah, I'm good. I don't get burned. Yeah, or exactly, exactly. Now, <laughs> now, now here I am at 37 paying the price for all my stupid manly decisions. Like I didn't wear moisturizer mm-hmm. exactly. or like put wrinkle cream on or whatever early on to, for preventative reasons, and now I'm like, why didn't I do that? I'm so, like, I'm just, you know, you pay all this money to like, have your sunspots, like, lasered off or something. Mm. It's just this invisible thing that shames us for wanting to even look good. What is that? You're not allowed to look good because you're a man. That's what, that's the message. That's what women do, and women are inferior, right? It, it comes back to misogyny, wow. right? Because you're oh, acting like a woman, and women are... Uh, denigrated, and so and women have to look good for their men, right? Yes. Men, men, it, like it, it's, oh. yes, and and the sunblock thing is so interesting because men are less likely to wear uh, sunscreen. They're less likely to wear life jackets. They're wear- less likely to wear uh, masks, safety belts, right? And then you, what you end up having is, you know, for example. Boys and girls are equally as good in aquatic skills. I was a lifeguard, so I know I have a lot of data in there. I was a lifeguard, yes, <laughs> for I mean several years. It was so my first job. You were saving job. physical lives then. You're saving lives <laughs> now. No. Wow! But you learn that it's all about prevention, right? That ninety percent of your job is actually preventing. Like, have if you're a lifeguard and you're constantly jumping in the water, there's you're actually a bad lifeguard. Mm. Um, and one of the things that came up really early on is. I remember being in this cl- like lifeguard class uh, when I was 15, and the instructor, a male instructor, was like, "Yeah, you know, 80% of of deaths, drowning deaths, are men and boys." And I was like, "Excuse me, like what?" And 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 I was like, "Why?" Like he was okay with that. Yeah, he and just you're like, it was uh, just normal. Like yeah. like, and he was like, "Oh, because men just like don't uh, take as many precautions." And that just kind of blew my mind. And and so there are, you know, consequences in terms of yeah. having more wrinkles, <laughs> but also, which are, you know, real. And, uh, but there are also just life-threatening consequences where it, it masculinity is actually a physical threat to men. Mm. It is, right? it is. In Mexico, there's a saying that, uh, that the men should be ugly and strong. <laughs> <laughs> Strong, right? That's like what like every running away woman from commitments. Every strong. woman yeah. wants that. <laughs> if you're skinny, you're yeah. not man enough. Right. I, I always suffered from from that. Uh, I was, I'm, I've been always really skinny, and that's. I think I, I feel that every time I'm with someone who's like more buff than muscle, mm. I, I feel like I'm not man enough, mm. and that's that's. But you wrong. know what's crazy is I feel the same thing. I come at your stud, but that's the thing. But that's but that's my point. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the issue is if you could be the biggest guy in the room, mm. but if a bigger guy walks in, you feel insecure. <laughs> so that means your identity as a man, your masculinity is, is subject to change based on if someone is deemed more masculine than you if they walk into a room. And my heart goes out and I think about so many, so many young men and women, but really men, these men on, in, these influencers, these like fitness models, these people that are, their entire worth is validated from this Pavlovian-like response of likes and comments and follows because of how they look. What happens when it's harder? I'm 37, I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm not, you know, I'm not 51 or 59. So we were talking about our love handles earlier, yeah. right? <laughs> well, it's a little harder now. He, says, just, he says our love handles <laughs> as, as if he has. <laughs> no, hey, hey. Don't shame me. I'm not shaming you. I'm just saying your love handles are my wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> You're right. <laughs> but also, Justin, you talk about in your book that even when you were that like archetype, perfect, never right, felt it. you never felt good. Never felt so good because of my experience as a child, because of my experience being a kid and being the skinniest person and being, you know, wanting to be buff and whatever that is. Well, the, the pool party, it's a problem for a lot of skinny guys. I know a and lot over, of friends. And overweight guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It happens to me, and I know a lot of friends that they, 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 we are invited to a pool party, and depending who who's going, no, if you who's going, <laughs> if you know it's just normal average guys, it's like okay, I'll go. But <laughs> if there's uh, someone like Justin going, it's like oh, yeah. eh, you know, no eh, thanks, I, no thanks, no thanks. <laughs> Justin's there, nothing. Okay. <laughs> the irony, though, the irony is, and I think there has to be, it's okay to have room here for yeah. this, but the irony is that you feel I so. feel the same way. Yeah. So a lot of what we're talking about is like, I don't want to say extreme, but, but men who are macho and players and all this stuff and have that. What about men who don't identify with any of what we're talking about? Like, you know, they're pretty decent men that, that, um, haven't made horrible mistakes, haven't used, I think the best thing of the podcast today was um, how do we teach our boys to become men without having women as collateral damage? Because that's important that our sons are not yeah. using women in that regard. Um, I'm curious, the, the, the men that are decent, that are listening to this going, well, I'm not, though, I'm not way over there. I'm known to be a good guy. How are they still um, a part of the oppression of women, or how are they still sexist? You use these terms, benevolent sexism. Yeah. What are ways that even in, in our best self that maybe we can be aware of to mm -hmm. be better? Yeah, well, so first of all, collateral damage is a, a term that was used by one of Juno Diaz's uh, accusers, so I don't wanna steal her brilliant uh, terminology. I think that it comes down to this, right? I don't really need men to show up to the table proving to me how good they are, right? And how um, they're different or they didn't engage in, you know, they didn't rape anybody. Like, great. <laughs> um, but I think that I have, I have so much more appreciated when men have come to the table saying I've made mistakes and saying I was raised in a sexist, patriarchal, you know, white patriarchal society. And my behaviors have, you know, what I learned is wrong and I'm reprogram reprogramming myself. I'm, I'm learning how to be better. And, and I think that no matter what conversation we're having, whether it's a conversation about sexism, whether it's a conversation about racism, you know, transphobia, all these conversations, um, the best thing we can do is, is, is talk about the system, right? Talk about the institutions, talk about the film, the TV, right? I mean, that's what you're doing and, and, and you're trying to change. And I think that's, that's remarkable and, and really where most of the work needs to be. So, so yeah, I'm not really, I don't need men to prove how good they are. And actually sometimes I'm like skeptical, like why do you need to convince me so much? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and instead, you know, yeah, talk about what the, mistakes that they've learned based on the programming that that society has sort of, um, you know, created and how they're going to be teaching something different to their boys or to their nephews or to the men around them. And most importantly, I think that we, I think I, people get over, overwhelmed by how much, you know, isms are out there. So I'm sure there are men who are listening to this being like, I don't even know where to start. I, I you know, I, there, there's so much work to do, but it actually like, it's in the little things. It's mm -hmm. in those individual uh, interactions that, that I think really, really make a difference. And I think we've talked about this before about how allyship, true allyship, you know, and, and camaraderie really is that most of the work happens with other men, right? Like. Yeah, talk to me about all the things, you know, you're learning, that's great, but challenge other men mm. when they make those little comments, when they dismiss their female partner, right? Like, I know that you've heard fucked up shit. Like, I, because I hear it, like, when um, I walk by and, and, and I overhear, or we're, or we're hearing it from the tape, you know, the Access Hollywood tape of what men say when women leave the room. You're in the room, mm -hmm. like, you're there. So, do that work there, I, I, I think is, is, is a really good place to, to, to start, if it's safe for you to do that, because I know it's not safe for all men, uh, certainly not all men to, to, to be able to do that. Yeah, and that's, and that's the challenge. I'm curious, and then before, I have one more question, but I want to ask, based on that, in, uh, in your culture, um, which none of us here are, are a part of in that way, 
Um, is it really tricky? Is it hard to, to confront another man and say, hey, man, don't say that because it's so normalized? It's really hard. Yeah. I mean, now that you were saying that, uh, unfortunately, I, I think that I, I, if I, if, it's a lot of work. We should do that. Absolutely. But it's so hard. I mean, let's say that we're in, in a room full of guys, yeah. buddies, and someone says something that, it sh sh you know, against mm -hmm. or, a, or a misogynist comment or whatever. And you say like, hey, you know, you shouldn't say this. It would be like, everyone would be like, what? Mm -hmm. It would be, I'm, I, it's a lot of pressure. It, 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 we're not used to that. So not yet. I think that we're behind in Latin America. Here, it's more normal. But, but there in my, in my culture, in my country, it would be like, what are you talking about? I mean, you're here not, too. So you're yeah. not funny anymore. You're not, they, they, they will consider you like boring, like, what the fuck? That, yeah. Let's not invite him anymore. Because yeah, you, lose your, you lose your access to the club. Yeah, that's you, but do you want to be part of that club? Like, that's the thing. And that's, like, the, and that's the fucked up thing. That's the, that's the weirdest why? thing about masculinity is is you don't, you lose, it's almost like you need to be willing to lose your identity in order to go against but it. But is and it your identity but no, or is but, it no, someone but, else's, right? But, no, like, but you're taught that. And that's the right. thing is it's a yeah, yeah, feeling, yeah. right? So, so from our perspective, like from, from the outside in, we can all agree, even the three of us men, that's completely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's not our identity, but there's something that happens. And I felt this, I felt this even recently where you hear something and you go, uh, that felt weird. And you go to say it and you feel paralyzed and you're like, and then right. you go like, why am I like, and, and you're, it's almost like you had this out of body experience and you have no idea why you can't say something. And, I, and so I, I empathize with it. However, you make a really good point, which is, is it our identity? So at some point, I think that people like you, people like me, like us, have to be willing to say something because it is the people with the most perceived value as a man, the most perceived masculine traits, the success, you are, you are one of the most famous people in the world, right? You have all of these things. You then, if you're willing to do it, then you give these other men permission to do it or you let them know that it's not okay in my house. Mm -hmm. And that's the trick is how do you find the balance between like saying, nope, you don't cross that line and also being true to who we are. And I also think there's a way to do it. So can I give you advice that I gave, that you're the funniest man in Mexico. You're <laughs> funny, right? So when someone makes a joke where the butt of the joke is that women are dumb, like that's not funny, right? Like these jokes are actually not good jokes. <laughs> so when I was in Iceland, I asked this man <laughs> about this question, like how should men, you know, do you have advice for men to call out other men? Because I get it. Like, it, I mean, I've, I, I, you know, we, we want other people to like us. He said he has a Jedi mind trick, which might be useful to, to you and the men who are listening, where when a guy makes, uh, someone makes a sexist joke, and this can apply to racism, like all kinds of yeah. other jokes that just are not, you know, funny or uh, good, morally good. He says, so the sexist joke happens, and then you just kind of look at them and you, and you say, oh, sorry, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I didn't get the joke. <laughs> Can you explain it? Like, and you basically, again, you're not being like, that's wrong. You're not coming from a patronizing perspective. You're not like, you're just like not laughing at their joke. And, and, and you just kind of Jedi mind trick them into explaining why that joke is funny. And so, and David Wayne, I, I gave the joke to David, who's a fantastic com you know, comedian and uh, director. And he said, as soon as you have to ask someone to explain their joke, the joke is over. Yeah. Like, like, and <laughs> yeah. then basically yeah. you're putting it on the other person to yeah. explain why why that's funny why what what is it that makes this joke so mm. you know that's a good trick yeah but it's in the way you say it mm -hmm. probably the other way to say something instead of uh, i think that you can say something when you are in front of a, a big audience or just to that person who did that comment but i think that the, the middle when when there's just like five or six men at the table and you say that comment, you don't feel confident because it, it's going to be like seven versus yourself. It's, it's, yeah. But if you say that in, in a, on TV, in an interview, or in a conference, in a TED talk, it's okay. 
because you're not talking to someone specifically. So you're mm. saying you shouldn't do this. Or after someone did a comment, probably in private, you go with that guy and you say, you know what? I think, uh, yeah. I feel this is not the, the right way to and, express. And I think so long as we're just talking about it, I think that's the first step. Because it's funny, I'm looking at all these men. I'm seeing a lot of the guys and like nodding their heads. Mm -hmm. Like they're feeling like, you know, they feel the pressure too. You know, and that's one of the that's one of the ways I know we're onto something when I see the <laughs> camera operators are just they don't know I'm watching them and they're like, oh yeah, oh I've been there, oh yeah. <laughs> so I think talking about it, and that's what I one of the things I've learned is by talking about something, it it plants that seed in your brain that at some point will be watered, mm -hmm. and then we have to then confront ourselves in that moment. And if you're listening to this, even if you don't do it, even if you find yourself in that situation, and you don't say something. The fact that you regret it will make it different the next time. And then just make an effort the next time. Mm -hmm. And uh, and go up against these, these masculine invisible forces and be a Jedi, right? Use a Jedi mind trick. Welcome to this week's Man Enough podcast, Rapid Fire Questions, presented in partnership with P&G, the maker of brands like Tide, Swiffer, Mr. Clean, Pantene, and Braun. All right, we have some final questions for you, okay? Yeah. Um, when was the last time you cried? Oh, that's a good question. Ah, uh, the last time I cried, watching clouds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you and okay. several wow. millions. Other. You know, I don't cry very often. I'm very okay. uh, uh, be, because I, I because of my culture. I I. I, I, I know that I'm able to cry, that I, it's okay to be vulnerable, as I said before, but I, I was raised like men, men, don't, men, men don't cry, so it's not do, in my do your system. Boys, do your boys cry? Yes. Do you yes. encourage them to cry? Yes. Right. So I encourage them strongly to cry. Good. So that's good. Yeah, but I... But it's I, still I, hard for you, and that's it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Like, again... We're not asking anybody to change overnight. No. It's like so you you know it's hard to cry. It's you know you got to go through years yeah, of but therapy. Yeah, but I cry with when, when I, I watch movies and I let me too. let me go. I, uh, I the only way, the day that it was embarrassing, I was watching a, a, um, Marley and Marley and, and me and me in an airplane. <laughs> Worst idea ever. <laughs> Worst idea. Yeah. Because right. I cried so bad in front of a lot of people. But I, Good. Good. <laughs> um, gave them permission to cry too. Uh, what is the thing that other people value that you, you're like, I don't get it? Like Matthew McConaughey said karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> that everyone likes and you're like, no. This. Oh, uh, well, alcohol. Mm. I don't drink at all. So I, I don't care. People keep uh, giving me bottles of uh, tequila. And, and but that's big in your culture. Care. Yeah. Yeah, so that's yeah. what you, you know, already going against. There's a lot of people that say, you're a fake Mexican if you don't drink. <laughs> what does I, that even mean? How's that possible to be fake Mexican? <laughs> so imagine, um, this is a deep one, you ready? Mm -hmm. you're, you're in the future, you're 50, 60 years in the future. Wow. Mm. You are a ghost at your own funeral. What do you hope that people say about how you move through the world as a man? I want uh, people to remember me as someone who put a smile in their face. Mm. And, uh, and I care about helping people. Now, now that I think I kind of understand a little bit better life, I'm trying to always either make people laugh that it's what I've been doing mm. my entire life that I think it's like a kind of a social work yeah. or help people or help the world to be a better place mm. for, for, for everyone. I don't want them to say, oh, he was a good guy because they say that you know, yeah. no matter what. I want them to, to probably say he was, he was honest. He was, he was who, we, who he was and he... He didn't hide who he was. Mm. He was an, an, an honest guy. I love that. And you're listening, and 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 to the to somebody listening right now, to a fan of yours, uh, a 22 year old man who follows you, who looks up to you, who wants to be like you, who's maybe dealing with some of the things we talked about today. This cultural expectation of what it means to be a man, to be machismo, to not cry. What do you want him to know? 
well, that it's okay to have a feminine side, first of all. It's okay to use lotion. It's okay to look good. <laughs> it's okay to wear skinny jeans. It's, it's, it's okay to, to, feel. to feel. feel, exactly. It's okay to feel. And, uh, and also, um, sometimes we think that being famous is a, 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 a good thing, and it's not. Um, don't j just aim to be happy because happiness is in the small things. Mm. And I remember one day I, I, when I was in the top of my career in Mexico, I was overwhelmed. I was working from 5 a.m. to 1 a.m. And I was, I was so sad and so miserable. And I remember I was in a, traveling from one location to another and then in the red light, I was in the, in the car and I saw a guy sitting in a bench in a park feeding the birds. And I felt so, so bad. I said, I want to be that guy. Mm. I want to be that guy so bad. And probably that guy, if he saw me, probably he would said, I, oh, I, would, I, I would like to be like him. He's famous. He, he has money, whatever. But that's not happiness. Happiness is when you find a balance, when you, when you're, when you can have the things that you like, a coffee, a, a, a good taco, mm. uh, 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 your, your kids, that's happiness. Mm. And there was a place in my career where I was not able to, to see my kids, where I, I was not able to even eat because I was always busy. And, and I would tell these people, these young people, don't aim for just being successful or famous or rich. No, aim to be yourself and to be happy with the small things in life. Well, my friend, you <laughs> are man enough. <laughs> Thank you to our partners at P&G, the makers of brands like Tide, Swiffer, Mr. Clean, Pantene, and Braun, for helping to make the Man Enough podcast possible and for sponsoring these fun and real moments with our guests. Thank you for coming <laughs> on, man. Thank you. I Thank appreciate you, you and I love you so much. Thank you all you for listening. We will be right back with Jamie Heath and Liz Plank. And uh, thank you, Eugenio, for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. All right. We'll have to have thank you back. You. Thank you. All this right. is Man Enough. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to Man Enough. I'm Justin Baldoni here with the the um, very, very handsome, which I think we just need to, to clear up. The very, the very, very handsome Finally. on the outside. <laughs> on the outside. Uh, Jamie Heath and the amazing. I'm handsome on the inside. Liz Plank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who did who would what did we just do? Who were we just hanging out with? Let me just show you. Um, I just took a picture with our wonderful man that we spent time with, and I sent it a video to my wife and to my Eugenio. Um, say it again. A Eugenio. All right, pretty good. A Eugenio. Um, anyways, I sent Eugenio to my uh, a video to my wife and to my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is from Colombia. Um, and I am getting texts coming back like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Jealous, such and such. I just went up in stock on my... You've finally been welcomed into the family. Finally welcomed into <laughs> Because I sent her this video. Mm. She's like, oh, my son-in-law's finally um, done something Making worthy it. of my <laughs> praise. Uh, I thought that was a really... I really enjoyed that conversation mm -hmm. with him. He's such a special man, good man, yeah. and such an open, open heart, and uh, and just a deep and like loving person. Yeah, I got the feeling that this isn't something that he's necessarily shared about before. Like the questions that that were being asked, mm. and I think particularly that both of you were asking him, um, felt like it was like he was really reflecting. It did on, look like it. it like, there were no talking points. Yeah. It, it was like mm. real reflection. And I think for someone like him, and I imagine for some of our listeners who are maybe big fans of his, I think this was a very different version of him than maybe mm, people have seen. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's just so, he's so funny. And he's so, and he's like larger than life. And mm. he's, and if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen his movie, um, Instructions Not Included, it's so good. Mm. I sobbed at the end. I'm not going to give away the ending. It just destroyed me. 
Um, but he's you just he's just larger than life, and and it was just so nice to see someone with his fame mm. just show up and admit um, all the times he hasn't been man enough and what he's doing now. And I loved your questions. I really and that moment with you two really really touched me. And I was not expecting expecting to be touched. I was like, why am I? I was as you guys were talking. I'm like, why am I feeling all these things? That's the sweet <laughs> thing about you, Jay. Is I pick on you, but you. Um, you feel, and when you feel, you feel deep. And um, you're not afraid to show it. So in moments like that, I know, like, you'll just see something random and it'll move your heart and it moves you to tears. So. It moved me seeing you both because I just think, again, the whole point, why we're here, why I wrote the book, is because I never got this. It's selfish. Let's just be real. It's, be, it's a little bit selfish to be here. I'm, I'm wanting to learn. I learn from both of you all the time. I'm learning every day, but I never got to see these conversations. What I don't know who I would be. I would. I would have. I would. So there would be so much less uh, debris mm. in like these wakes of destruction and pain left in like you know the rearview mirror. Had I had been exposed to some of these conversations, or had I had seen this modeled, or I had seen two men, right? Because what you know, because look, him talking about commitment is a real thing because here I was like never having commitment issues until right before I got married. I proposed, right? I had one of the biggest elaborate proposals of all time and then I had commitment phobia. Like then I had- What's that about? What's that about with men? What What, what is the tie between masculinity, patriarchal masculinity and like commit, like a fear of commitment? It's why men so, this whole thing yeah. with commitment yeah. um, and masculinity. I think what he spoke of is that you are told in some one way or another that the more women that you acquire over your life yeah. um, has something to do with how manly you are. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if I commit, then I don't get to have as many women otherwise, or them like me or love me or wanna be with me and all that stuff. So I think there's that link. So commitment is I can't because then I'll be less of a man. Well, I think it's also another, it's, an, it's another thing. Please. It's, and I write about this a little bit in the book, but it's this, it's this idea of marriage also being like sexless. It's the it's the the notion of a woman being a ball and chain, as if like a, like a physical thing to hold us back from achieving our dreams, right? This like this weight. When actually, marriage makes men far happier, far healthier, and live longer, <laughs> live longer, right? More successful, and women not so much. Exactly. It's like, it's, like, it's 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 that's the but it's, it's ironic, right? It's, it's like women's super, lives yeah. <laughs> women's lives almost decrease when they when they get because into the burden we put <laughs> on. the burden put on them. And male yeah. lives increase. Yes, right? because of yeah, this female happiness decreases, male happiness increases. But Jesus, again, but it's, so, yeah, it's so so backwards. makes so much sense. But we've been told for so long, and even look at bachelor parties. What's a bachelor party? Like. Yeah. You know, the first thing that a lot of us guys think about is like, what, what do you do at a bachelor party? You go to a strip club, all that, get stuff. a lap dance. Why? Because you're not gonna get any, right? Or you're never gonna have a chance. And it's like this has been ingrained in us for as long. It's, we don't even know where it comes from. So then it just hits you one day. Even someone like myself, who never thought about those things, never cared about those things, was just always wanted to be in a relationship. There's no divorce in my family. And then here I am, like, oh my god, There's I'm not no ready divorce to commit. in your family. I've not since my uh, my parents have been married. Their parents were married. Like sweet, both both sides. I know your parents till they, till they died. Yeah. So sweet. I mean, I'm sure at some point there has been. But my immediate family. Yeah, no. yeah. But so when I when I had the same feeling that you know he's had and that you've had, I didn't know where it was coming from. That's this invisible social construct that we're talking about now. It just makes so much sense. Now, Liz, you said something. I made reference to before, and and you gave credit to someone else. Um, which I know your integrity, right? You, you mm -hmm. say something and then you wanna say that you learned it or you heard this from someone else. Yes. But I wanna tell you that you say brilliant things all the time. <laughs> and sometimes I um, acknowledge your brilliance and sometimes you give the credit to where you maybe have learned it. Um, we've all learned stuff from people. Mm -hmm. Everything I say is, you know, for the most part, has come from experiences and learnings. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I'm ultimately saying is the context in which you use what you learned in that moment is what I'm saying and when you drop some of that knowledge. So yes, the, the credit's given to someone else, but the credit's not given to someone else when you bring it in at the appropriate time and relate it to what we're talking about. Mm. And um, that was so impactful when you said to make sure we're raising boys that aren't using women as collateral damage to reach their manhood. You said something of that nature. Can you, can you just for a second expound on that? 
What do you think it means? I'll tell I'm you curious. what it means. Yeah, I'm curious how, how you, when, when, when I said that, what, what came up for you? When you said that, I kind of checked out for about mm. a good 90 seconds. And my eyes, honestly, my eyes got watered because I was thinking of the collateral damage in my eyes. So there are people that respect and love me for the man that I have become in many ways. I live on, um, people will say, man, look at this life you've built and you've had this and such and such. And you live at the top of this hill with all of this, this, and this, and this. And in that moment, I'm looking back and I'm going, yeah, but look at that house there and look at that mm -hmm. house there that's burned in that house. And all those houses burned so that I could have this house here. How do we build a house, figuratively speaking, without that collateral damage of mm -hmm. homes that we burn? Mine is specific to certain things, but a lot of them are women yeah. in one way or another. How do we men build our home and our legacy without collateral damage, and most of the time, oftentimes, it's women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, it's, you know, the reason why marriage is so helpful to men in terms of their health is that it provides them with that intimacy that they're denied, you know, in, in sort of the rest of their lives, right? That you guys don't have as many uh, male friendships, you guys don't have conversations that, that, that go deep, and so what happens is that, you know, yeah, women who are in heterosexual partnerships end up be, being this you know, uh, psychological, emotional um, help, I guess, but then it can, it becomes a, a, a burden if you're the only one. And, and it's when he was like, I kept going from woman, I kept going from woman to woman. Mm. Like women feel that deeply. Like we know that, right? Mm. And, and I know I've been in, a, in so many situations and I know so many women relate to this where you're dating some, you know, a guy and he is learning through all of these mistakes. And again, I've dated great men who have like thanked me for it, but my response was like, well, I'm, I'm so happy that you're a better man for this. I'm filled with scars. And um, I'm really excited for the next woman you're gonna date, yep. who now this problem won't be a problem, but, now, but like look at all my scars and my scars will stay. Mm. So, so it's like, how do you do that work on your own? You know, how do you uh, confront those, those um, demons or those weaknesses without a woman having to challenge you to do it? And what I loved about this interview is that you did challenge him, right? Like there were points where um, I was going, <laughs> you're becoming, I feel like Jamie and I have like a, a psychic, uh, telekinetic, <laughs> I don't know what the term is. Um, I, I think connection where, where, yeah, I feel like you have my back and, and like you can, or maybe because we're facing each other, you're like, oh, she's about to, I'm, I'll do it for her. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's important in that, you know, we can call it tough love or whatever you want, like to be challenging. You can be challenging and loving at the same time, sure. right? Like your guy friend can make a joke and you can, you know, he can be a good friend of yours or he can be your dad or he can be someone that you care about and you can still be like, hey, that's like, you might not want to make this joke in front of other people. Like, I'm looking out for you, <laughs> you know, is another way to do it. And, and I think that that's like, that is also being strong. Mm. That's actually like that discomfort you're feeling. Yeah, that's fear. Yeah. Overcome it. Like it's so. Otherwise it's not courageous to, to face something that you're not afraid of and do something that you're not comfortable with. This doesn't yeah. really mean It's much. like going to the gym and lifting like lightweight. Right. That's right. And just doing it all day and checking your phone at the same time. Mm -hmm. You're just not building anything. Right. All that to say, this has been awesome. Oh man, uh, I love talking to you guys. I love, I love learning. It. I love learning. Um, and and uh, learning from a man like A. Eugenio. Yeah, and uh, and again, if you're listening to this, I just want to thank you for being here and for staying with us the whole time and for learning with us in real time, as always. And uh, if you like what you hear. Please be sure to follow us on manenough.com <laughs> backslash podcast and follow us at We Are Man Enough on Instagram. Follow, follow, follow. On and, Facebook uh, and on Twitter. And you can follow Liz Plank where? On uh, everywhere. It's sad. I'm in too many places. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok all those videos. too. I'm <laughs> on all those too, but, but, but you've got you like... You have a life. <laughs> I, just, I, I looked at one of them. I had like 11 followers. That's huge. Wait, the podcast. I, I has, the podcast has. No, no, but come I mean, I've yet, done Jamie. a lot of things in this world and stuff. I gotta. I should have more than eleven followers. You're about to blow up. Follow, no, about to blow I up. Have you have a Grammy. Yours Grammy, Grammy but the, only the eleven followers. Have you put your Grammy? Uh, well, on the social Grammy. media wasn't invented when you got the Grammy. Oh. Uh, with that, can, can, is there any way to fire Justin <laughs> Baldoni from this podcast? Is there any way to get rid of him? Golly, I love you. I love you. 
Um, you look great, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you really, you're really handsome. You really do. Let's wrap this uh, up. Same. So, uh, thank you all for listening. I am Justin Faldoni. I'm Jamie Heath. And I'm Liz Blank. And this is Man, Man Enough. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter and Gamble, in partnership with Cadence Thirteen and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Mahotra Feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Kerry Rathode from Procter and Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence Thirteen are our executive producers. Annabella Casanova, Mateen McCullough, and Sage Price are our producers. Maria Fernandez and Nicole Pritchard are our consulting producers. Josh Schneider is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.